too well. I see uh, Kent walking in here with his little helper here. He doesn't look like he can move quite as fast as he once did. Uh, many of us, Angel, you and your wife probably don't move as fast as you once did. I doubt Ron and Linda do either. Sometimes it feels like uh, it's... But you know what? That's not the end of it. That, if that's all you had to look forward to, that'd be pretty rough, right, guys? No, obviously, in in our older age or in our infirmities, you know, God is there; His grace is still there; it's is is still sufficient. But if that's all you had to look forward to, it'd be pretty rough, right? But that's not all we have to look forward to. Amen. We have a time coming when we will rise. That time will come where my back's not going to hurt anymore. And we're going to see Kent jumping up and down and dancing. And, and I'm, I'm personally looking forward to that, Kent, right? Are you looking forward to that, too? All right. <laughs> Thank you for letting me pick on you this morning. <laughs> All right. One more song. You are God alone.
your seats if you'd like. Quite a few fathers here, and uh, honestly, not sure the origins of Father's Day. Does anyone know? I think I think there was Mother's Day, and then uh, clearly, and then the fathers were jealous and wanted a day too. I'm not sure not sure how that happened, but uh, you know, there's one thing this world is is lacking, and that's fathers. I mean, you can be a biological father, whatever the case, you may have children, but are you really a father? This world is really lacking fathers and, and spiritual fathers. Um, where's that verse, Phil, where I, is it the Apostle Paul saying that uh, something about you have teachers but not many fathers or something like that? Can you look that up? Give me the context for that. But... Uh, the, uh, the lack of, of fathers in this world, I think, is ultimately one of the biggest uh, reasons for the decline in our culture, fathers that aren't following the Lord. Do you have that, Phil? It's, it's important to be a godly father, but you're also willing to be a father to somebody in the gospel, a godly Christian man that somebody can uh, see your life and, and be a spiritual father to them. I'm going to put a few of you on the spot here. John, give me uh, something that uh, you learned from your father whether spiritual or otherwise, that uh, you still find valuable in your life today. And I'm going to ask a few of you, a few more of you, the same question. Well, probably the main thing is, uh, for one time when I was in like second grade and going to school on the bus, we stopped and just wanted to make sure that team, the young kids were there, the soccer machine, and they actually got some money out of it. So I did the same thing that evening, and I got a dime out of it. My dad found out about it, and he said, that's not yours, you're going to have to give that back. I was so proud of that dime, and all of a sudden, I had to give it back. I said, I, I, I'm not giving it back to you. Well, I So he took it back, and there was a store man there, he was in a store, a small community store, and he went up there, and he said, my son got this out of the soccer machine, and he said, oh, Not many of us fathers here have an actual father sitting here. The exception to that is John Schroeder. Um, tell us something about your father, John. Patience. Patience.
Jean, thank you for being a patient example. That's I'm sure we have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> it's like I said, this this world needs uh, examples of godly fathers. Thank you, Jean. Anyone else? Phil, maybe something that uh, was important that you learned from your father. as I've known my Uncle John, Phil's father, I, he has been very consistent, very faithful. Carrie, let's hear something from you. <laughs> you know, no matter, no matter who your dad is, where he is, if he's living, whether he's been good example or bad example, which we've all had, none of us are perfect, there's always something that can good that can be learned from our fathers.
children this lesson. Teacher here today, hopefully it is of you. Had a habit of uh, traveling on this day. We never have this habit that Sunday. So we're going to skip that this Sunday. Uh, a few announcements, and then I'll turn it over to Phil for uh, our sermon today. As usual, um, lunch served after the meal. Please stay for that and uh, celebrate fathers. Um, my boy decided that uh, since all the mothers went first on Mother's Day, that all the dads are and boys. <laughs> I think he was more concerned about the boys part than uh, the dads but uh, I uh, think the dads are probably good enough at uh, sacrificing but I'm sure we're not going to require to go through the line first so. so kids since you're the ones that made us dads I guess we'll celebrate you and you guys first. how about that scheduled this week, and the youth retreat is still open for uh, registrations. I, there's a few uh, registrations trickling in. I see like four people in the back row there that probably should be registered, and a couple more back in the sound booth. Um, so get your registrations in. So we don't pass an offering here, but uh, the church does have expenses in uh, paying for the roof and maintaining some things around here. So if the Lord's blessed you and uh, asked you to give, please do so cheerfully. Uh, none of the ministry team or anybody else collects any kind of a salary or even on uh, matters that is, is totally done on a volunteer basis. So if you do choose to give, that uh, all goes directly to the, the needs of Take 10 minutes and come on back and Phil will share the word with us. Day that you have made. You called us, Lord, because you loved us. We have not chosen you. You have chosen us and have set your love upon us that we should be called 
the children of God. Thank you. Today I pray, refresh us, revive our hearts, Lord, and fill us again with this truth of your fatherly love over our lives, your fatherly care, your provision, you're a good dad. We don't only get to call you father or dad, you are our dad. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. I googled when Anthony said, who started Father's Day? According to Google, Father's Day was founded by Sonora Smart Dodd, a woman from Spokane, Washington. Dodd was inspired to create the holiday after attending a Mother's Day church service in 1909. So I guess Mother's Day came first. But actually it didn't. If you read the gospel uh, chronology of Jesus Christ, he takes you all the way back to Adam, and then he says, and Adam's father was God. So the first father to ever exist in the world is God. That's really important. God is a father. He was the first father, and he still is the first, and he will be the last. I don't know what fatherhood will look like in heaven, but I know it won't have the same responsibilities it does here on earth. I'm not going to have the same authority and responsibility over my children in heaven that I do here on earth, that I'm sure of, because we'll have one father. And that's why Jesus set the record really clear and straight for all of God's children on the earth. He said in Matthew chapter 23, do not call any man your father. Don't call any man on the earth your father. The Catholic Church has it wrong. There is no spiritual father on the earth except one. He said, you all have one father. His name is God. God is a father and the only father on the earth. And so I think what he's talking about and what Apostle Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 that I read when Anthony asked me to read that is Paul was telling the church at Corinth, you have many tutors in Christ or many teachers is the word in the Greek. You have many teachers but you don't have many men who have begotten you in the gospel. And what Paul did is he came to Corinth, which was a wicked, heathen city, as a, as, a, as a preacher of the gospel, and he was the first one to bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to that heathen place. And out of his preaching, a church was born. And so in that sense, he had begotten them in the gospel, and so he said, this relationship I have with you is different than just a lot of the other teachers. I was the first one to give you the good news of the gospel. And I led you to Jesus Christ. And so in that sense, I have this kind of fatherly care over your hearts. And I have many people in the church today, after ministering for so many years to the body of Christ, who have said to me, you're like a spiritual dad to me. That's okay. Don't give me that 
allegiance or that authority ever in your life. I'm not your father. You have one in heaven. And you have no need of any other. And you see, this is what the Jews missed. After the Jews came out of Babylon, back to Jerusalem, through Ezra and Nehemiah's ministries. You can read that in the book of Ezra, in the book of Nehemiah. After 70 years in Babylon, the kings of Israel were gone. They were no more. Israel was never again to have a king on the throne. For those 400 years or more, Israel was led by priests, Ezra, and by governors, Nehemiah, and so on. You see, God reset Israel in those 70 years. 70 is a sign, and the number 7 is a sign of completion with God. He created the world in seven days. And you walk it through the scriptures, you'll see the number seven was always a sign of completion with God. Well, God completed in resetting Israel. Because remember when Israel wanted to anoint a king, the first king, Saul? Was God really enthusiastically happy about that? No. Up to that point, how had Israel been led? Judges, they called them. Priests and judges. Men who were there to serve. But Israel wanted to be like all the other nations. And Samuel the prophet had been, and most of the judges were normally prophets. They spoke the word of God to Israel. And that's how Israel was guided. They had one king, God. And God said to Samuel as he wept over their decision, they have not rejected you. They have rejected me from being their king. So, all those years, God worked through their own fleshly desires and gave them kings. Most of their kings were not righteous men. Most of their kings led them to idolatry. In fact, it was only the tribe of Judah who had righteous kings. The 11 other, the 10 other tribes, 10 and a half, the 11 other tribes never had a righteous king after Solomon. Not one. Those kings, men's kings, led them to idolatry because their hearts wanted an idol. They wanted a ruler they could see. Something they could feel, something that was tangible, that was human, that was made by human hands, that they could control and anoint. And by the way, you'll notice every king who died, even in Judah, when the king died, the people made one of his sons king. The people were in control. It was only David. He was the only king who got to choose which son was going to be king and anointed him as king while he was still alive. The only king to ever have done that. All the other kings, after they died, the people chose them. God worked with what the people wanted, but it wasn't his perfect plan. And so when God took them to Babylon, he washed them from their idols. That's what he said he was going to do in Ezekiel. 
And in Jeremiah, I'm going to cleanse you from your idols. And your idols are man and man-made. And I will be your father. Jeremiah 31. God says, I'm going to reset it. You're only going to have one father on the earth. And you're only going to have one king. And so they come back from Babylon led by priests again. And, and judged, judged by, by prophets and governors. And Never had a king again, again until, until Jesus comes. Jesus proclaims himself as the son of David, the only king of Israel, the Messiah, the righteous king. And he fulfills all of the prophecies. And Jesus was the first living man to ever call God his father. Did you get that? Jesus was the first and only man to live in the earth, to ever have the boldness and the audacity to say, my father. You know how he was when he said that? Someone want to tell him? The first time Jesus called God as his father, 12 years old, in Luke chapter 2. And he spoke to a woman who knew the only, the only other, other person, person on earth, earth. Besides, besides Joseph, Joseph his adopted father, to know that he didn't lie. lie. That was that his mom. mom. Mary, Mary knew how Jesus was born. She knew Joseph was not the dad. dad. The Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. one who impregnated her with this son. She knew that. that. And when, when Luke, Luke chapter 12, 12 and when Jesus, Jesus is in the temple, temple, you can read the story. Luke, Luke chapter, chapter 2. Turn your, Turn your Bibles with me there. Look at this amazing story of when Jesus, Jesus first called God his father. His father. Um, you'll read, read it towards the end of the chapter. And, and in beginning in verse 41. And his parents used to go to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went, they went out there, there according, according to the custom of the feast. And, and as they were returning, returning after spending the full number of days, the boy, the boy Jesus, the boy Jesus, he was just a boy, stayed behind in Jerusalem. And his parents, unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan, and went a day's journey and began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. And it came about that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all, and all heard, heard him. him. Now wait. Oh, wait. What was what Jesus, Jesus doing? doing? No, no, he wasn't preaching. I, I understand why you say that. that. Well, well, people think so. But he, but he wasn't. wasn't. What, what was what he was doing? doing? Let's, Let's read, read it again. again. Yes. Both, Both listening, listening and asking them questions. questions. But, but he wasn't was preaching. Because he was this. I'm just pointing out the way Jesus, as a boy, was communicating with the elders of Israel. 
Look at this. And all who heard him, verse 47, all who heard Jesus were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Interesting conversation. Do not have that They were amazed. Now that word amazed is much smaller than what we use today. Right? Many of us are so amazing, amazing. That's amazing for little things. This, this word, word in the Greek is wow. Like awestruck. It's the word awesome. Just, have you ever been awestruck by something? Where there was no other word that fit into this one. Wow. That's it. That's how they felt. That's why this is Jesus. The boy to us. And when they, when they saw, saw him, his parents, they were astonished. His mom his wasn't all struck. His mother says, son, son, why have you treated us this way? way? I think I she think probably, she probably said, said it like that. that. She was she mom. Was Moms can say things like that. Son, why have you treated us like this? Behold, your father and I. Uh oh, oh, she must have said. And that's what Jesus corrected. corrected. Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. I could just see Mary say it to a boy, right? And you're right in the middle of this. Jesus and a temple full of elves, scribes, and people. Mom, Mom comes to church and you're like, Son, why did you treat us like this? Your father and I are not looking for you for three days. days. In front of everybody. Would you be okay with that? You should be, because moms have that right. Jesus was totally okay with that. How did he respond to his mom? He didn't say. He asked the question. Let's read it. And he said to them, Why is it that you're looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? Do you see how Jesus taught? As a 12-year-old boy, his mom in the front of all the elders, respectfully answering with a question. Would you have a grace That's, That's the Jesus who recognized my Father is in heaven. And he is the Lord. Some translations say, Do you not know what must be about my Father's business? But this, this is actually the closest Greek translation. You were looking for me, Mom. My father's house. But he was correcting you. You see that? Your father and I have been looking for you. I must be out in my father's house. Wow. Twelve-year-olds. Who wants to be like Jesus? 
can be just like you at 12 years old. If you recognize your father in heaven and you are his child. And you will, when your parents get frustrated with you, respectfully ask them questions when we kind of lose it a bit. Because we're human and sometimes I'm a Mary, sometimes mom's a Mary, sometimes your dad and mom's on the earth who are not your spiritual father and mother. We did not create you. We did not. Only God created you. You have one father who created you to give you life and who will give you eternal life. We can never give you eternal life. We can teach you His Word. We can pray for you. And we do. We can pray with you. But we cannot give you the Holy Spirit. We can never do that. Earthly parents can never give you the new birth. That the Holy Spirit is born within you. The life of Jesus. Only one way. Jesus lived in his love. And he recognized that. And he reminded his mama in a moment of her frustration. I mean, they had lost him for three days. Have you ever been had kids missing for three days? A 12-year-old. Hey, he wasn't 15, he wasn't 19, he was 12. She was a bit exasperated. Echoes. Must be important. Mm. Turn your Bibles with me to First John chapter three. Jesus was the first man, the first boy man, the first created being. But he was not created by a man. He was God. When I say created being, I mean his earthly body. His spirit has always been and always will be. He was with God. John says it really clearly in the Gospel of John. The Word was made flesh. He is God. And so he could call God his Father. Do you know something I've noticed? Before I say that, let's read 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us. Because it did not know Him. Did the world recognize who Jesus was? Did they? Did his hometown recognize who he was? No. In John chapter 4, you'll read of this. Actually, I'm not John chapter 4, Luke chapter 4 was the one I was looking for. In Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through all the surrounding district. 
And he began to teach in their synagogues and be praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. By the way, Jesus had habits. That word custom means as was his habit. One of the habits that Jesus had is he always went to church. You want to be like Jesus? Oh, I don't want to have any, you know, habits. I want to live in the spirit. I want to just be. You want to be like Jesus? Have some good habits. Jesus had a habit that everybody could depend on. He went to church every Sunday, every Saturday. He was in the synagogue. That was his habit. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. He wasn't a bench warmer. He was a reader. That was his habit. He would be there to serve. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and he found the place where it was written. This time, he was very intentional. He chose this place to read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Now that's a short sermon. But he wasn't done. Sat down. That was his custom. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Jesus sensed everybody staring at him. So, he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Today this scripture is fulfilled in me. And they all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? Wait, we know this guy. And he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard was done in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. He said, Truly, I said you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. And when he was done preaching that sermon... They were so angry. They took him out to the brow of the hill and were going to kill him. Wow. A first sermon in his hometown gets him. You ready for that kind of an experience? You should be because that's who you are if you're a child of God. You want to be different than Jesus or be just like him? So many Christians today pray to be like Jesus. They have no idea what Jesus was like because they don't read their Bibles carefully. They have imaginations of what Jesus looks like in their life. But what they're missing is what Jesus had. He lived in his Father's love and he recognized he had one Father. 
And he was only going to do what his father told him to do. He came to do his father's will. This past week, the boys and I read John 17. You know what John 17 records? The last prayer of Jesus on the earth. After that prayer, he walked out into the garden with his disciples, the Garden of Gethsemane, and that night he was crucified the next day. In that prayer, Jesus prays some amazing stuff. But one of the things he prays, he says, Father, I have finished the work you gave me to do. I did it all. I'm done. You gave me a work to do, and I've completed it. That was the whole mission of his life. Yes, Lucas. You're right, he did. You're right. Thanks for correcting me. Jesus prayed in the garden. This prayer was his prayer with his disciples, but he prayed alone in the garden. That's a very important part. Because Jesus never lost that relationship with God, his Father, until there came a moment when he lost it. You know when he lost it? And this is the only time in Jesus' life that he calls God, God. Only time. Every other time it's recorded, it's my Father. But as he hung on the cross, and he took on himself the sins of the whole world, He became a sinner for us. He became sin, Romans says, that we might become the righteousness of God. And that moment when he became sin, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The only time he calls God, God. God had. To look away. I don't know what in the spiritual realities happened. But there was something there where Jesus took the punishment of sin. Our sins. Sin of the whole world upon himself. And there was a separation from him and the father for some time. And that's the punishment he took. You see the punishment for our sin. Is not fire. Jesus did say, hell will be a flame of fire. But that's not the punishment. The punishment is separation from God. Total separation from God. You and I can't even imagine what that looks like. We can't. Because from the day we were born, all the way through this world, until the day we die, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit Perhaps not in us. When we're born again, He indwells in us. But even if you were born in a very ungodly setting, God's goodness is over your life. Jesus said so in Matthew. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He is good even to the evil and wicked man. So God's goodness is over every man's life. His mercy is new every morning to everybody. But the punishment for sin is none of God, of anything of God. The absence of everything of God's presence, His goodness, His mercy in your life. 
That's the penalty Jesus paid. And it was awful. It was so awful that he had to call his Father in heaven, God. You know what's awful on the earth? And I, I call it awful because Ezekiel calls it awful. Ezekiel calls to Israel, he says, my people, God says, my people were called by my name. They hire themselves preachers, priests, and prophets who speak falsely. He said, an awful thing has happened on the earth. They prophesy falsely. And my people love to have it like this. God said, it's awful. I think it's awful that so many Christians, called Christians, call God, 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 and rarely call Him Dad. I think God today is saying, this is awful, just like He did over Israel. And they pay people, they pay pastors to tell them this stuff, to preach it to them. As Apostle Paul said, they want their ears tickled. Give me something that makes me feel good. That's all I come to church for. Give me a motivational pep talk. I feel down and out. I just need a little bit of a kick in the pants, you know, spiritually. Someone to give me coffee and give me Jesus and life is good. Lie. Biggest lie on the earth. Jesus has nothing to do with the feeling you get from coffee. Nothing. Jesus is not a caffeine shot. But that's what Christians are looking for. And that's what they're satisfied with. Many. They go out of church feeling good. Were they changed to be conformed into his image? No. Because they pay the pastor to make them feel good. And they pay the barista to give them their caffeine. Life is good. And they're fooled. Life isn't good. God is looking at their life and he's saying, it's awful. It's awful. Because I'm not their dad. I'm not their father. Interesting. Even pastors, so many, if you listen to the radio, you listen to YouTube messages, so many pastors, it's in our lingo. We can't deny it. It's in our language. We pray, oh God, 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 oh God. Our prayers are filled with God I pray, God I pray, and God I pray. Jesus only called that man upstairs, as some people like to call him, God, when he was dying and bore the sins of the world. Is that where you're at with him? Is that why you call him God? The absence of his fatherly love in your heart, you will call him God. But I call him Dad. Because that's who he is to me. Do you? He's Dad. Jesus always called him Dad. That Greek language that it's written in 
is a, a common term. It's not like we say, Father, Father. Why don't you call me Father, Father? You don't. It's a, it was a common language that had this deep familiarity and relaxed love that said, Dad. But I think it's because the reality of this and that's why the world knows us so well. So many Christians are so still entangled in the world. And the world doesn't relate to them like they did to Jesus at all. They know them just like they know each other. Because their lives are no different. They don't act like they have a heavenly father because they worship a God. Just like the Muslims worship Allah. And this is the relationship they have with their God. It is exactly the same as the Muslims have with their Allah. They fear him. And so they bow down. And so they pray so many times in the day. And so they live their lives out of fear. Galatians chapter 4. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave. Although he is the owner of everything. A very rich man who has slaves back in their culture. Every rich man had slaves. That's the way they operated. They bought and sold people as slaves. When someone had a child, they treated him exactly as they did their slaves. They bought a slave to tutor them. They sent them to school. The father was just to the son, just like he related to him, just like he did to the slaves, if he was a good man. He is under guardians and managers until the date set by the Father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Elemental is where we get the word elementary school from. It's this beginning school. It's you learn the basics of life. Two plus two makes four. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, the Jewish customs. That's why He was in Jerusalem, obeying the Jewish law. In order that He might redeem those who were under the law. If Jesus wasn't born into the system, he could never redeem people out from the system. He had to be made in all things like his brethren, Hebrews says. In everything. So he might redeem them from under the law that we might receive what? Can someone tell me? What have you received? The adoption as sons, which is freedom. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. Who is his son? Who's God's son? Jesus. Because you are now adopted, God sends forth the same spirit Jesus had, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of his son, into our hearts. And something Automatically happens. I don't have to make it happen. It does happen.
weapon. It comes out of my mouth. What do I say? The moment this happens, my language changes. I cry, God, God. Is that what I cry? Mm. Daddy, Daddy. That's the word. That becomes the cry of my heart. Daddy, Daddy. God becomes my daddy that moment. Exactly the same way Jesus related to his father in heaven. Daddy, we are one, he said in John 17. We are one. I've done your will. Look how Jesus related to his father in heaven. He was his dad. That's what happens to you and me. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, a daughter, we could also rightly say. And if a son, then an heir through God, an heir of everything he is, becomes mine. Are you missing anything in your Christian life? If you're missing this, you're missing everything. You may have said a prayer. You may call God your God, your God, your God. You may be a very good Christian, just like many good Muslims live on the earth and call Allah, Allah, Allah. You may serve him and even be as devoted to him that you'll give your life for it like they do. But that won't make God your father. Allah is not their dad. Not one Muslim, not one Hindu, not one higher Krishna. Not one other religion in the world can call their God, Dad. They don't and they won't because he is not. Muhammad is not their dad. That's the unique experience that belongs to Christianity. Christians, real Christians. This is what separates us from the world, from every other religion in the world. And from every other people in the world. And every person on the face of the earth. In every tribe, nation and tongue and people groups. Can have this wonderful privilege. This is what Jesus came to give you and me. This is it. And if you're missing this. You're missing eternal life. Christianity is just another religion. For so many people on the earth. But this. This is a relationship. Where God becomes your dad. And when you get that secret in your heart. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We have this treasure hidden in our hearts. No man can take you out of that relationship. Nothing can separate you from it. Only God himself. And God won't. The only thing that can separate that is you. You can walk away from it. You can choose to say, I'm done. I'm going to walk away. And you can selfishly walk in sin. But nothing and no one else can take it out of your heart. God is a father, a daddy. And I'll tell you my own testimony. When this became the reality of my life, it changed the whole course of my life. It changed the nature of my prayers. It changed the nature of my will. It changed the nature of my whole life. From my goal of being a big Christian businessman and doing God's work on the earth 
to saying none of that mattered. The only thing that matters is your will for my life. And you get to decide what my life looks like and what I do with my life. And I am the happiest man on earth. And I'm doing his will. Whatever that looks like. And I have no clue what tomorrow looks like. He hasn't promised that I'll preach his word like this tomorrow. He just said, do it now. Do it today. And I'm excited about tomorrow because I have a dad in heaven who has, who has purposes and plans in his heart for my life. And it's exciting. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard all the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world doesn't know me. They can't figure my life out. I'm as weird as Jesus was. And the church will definitely try to stone me. They did Jesus. Why wouldn't they me? The religious people will try to kill me. They did Jesus. They will us too. If you read Christian history, the world didn't want to know the church. They were like, who are those little fleas? They treated them like fleas. As Paul said, they're the offscarring of the world. Flush him down the toilet. That's the word. But the religious people did not treat him like that. It was the Jews, the religious people in Jesus' day who crucified him. Who yelled, crucify him, crucify him. Let his blood be on our heads and our children's forever. 